we were saying about our vision a few weeks ago, that glorify God as we walk in faith, rejoice in hope, known by love. And we said our mission, together equip and commission disciples for Jesus. And then we're expanding that a little bit about what are the four core values that we hold together. And um, what Matt taught about, great last week, Matt, thanks, uh, prayer and worship. And I, I'm really actually saying that, I'm not just saying it to pat you on the back. And then uh, the other three core values that we have that we will be covering is um, biblical foundation, hope of the gospel, today's intentional community. And it did occur to me to, to make this point that when we say, for example, that our mission is to gather, equip, and commission disciples, um, there's, there's this implied part about who is doing that. The who is not written out very clearly. And so what I want to make the point right out of the gate, because this will apply to the rest of the morning, is the who is not the leadership will gather, equip, and commission. Right? Because you could sort of think that, right? You could think, well, the leader of the small group, or maybe the elders, or maybe the ministry teams, people, ministry leaders. But really, it's true that we all are in this together. And there's, there's no way to really say that strong enough, that all this stuff we're talking about, you know, the Lord has set some leaders in place to kind of hopefully discern where we're headed with things like this. But we're all in it together. And you always have this choice. You always get to choose, like, I'm in, like, I, I buy that, right? Like, I'm part of this team, or I'm not. And that's up to you. It's up to all of us every single week, every single Sunday, every single whatever. We get to choose, do I buy into it or not? But then you get a guy like me up here, and I'm a little bit making a sales call, right? I kind of want you to buy into this. So this part about intentional community. So I'm going to start selling that to you. Just to be very straightforward, I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm trying to sell you on the idea that that's important. So we're going to start with thinking about, you know, why is it important? And one of the things I think is it's biblical. So um, when I read the Bible, so I'm in, uh, in my little paragraphs on your notes. I'm on paragraph B there. So when I think about the Bible, and this is maybe I've been going on this for a while, a few years, but thinking about what is the narrative arc of the scripture. And I'm thinking about you, Kayla. Kayla's an um, author. She's written several books here. And we actually, Lynn Moffat's written several books. And so these guys know about narrative arc, but not all of us are tuned into that. And I have a definition there. I'm not going to read through it. But in um, simple terms, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to the story. And the story is all of scripture. It's actually... All of, this, all of Scripture has this narrative arc that moves through, this theme that moves through, more than one theme, actually. But one of the themes is this idea of community. And so we'll just sort of hit a few of the highlights on that. But it was first introduced in Genesis chapter 1. So I will not dwell on these because they're sort of self-explanatory, but I do want to read them. Why not? So Genesis chapter 1. You guys got plenty of time because I have to look them up. So, one um, twenty-eight. God said, look, I've given you... I'm sorry, 28, how about? God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. 
So there's this idea right out of the gate, so increase in number, the uh, New International Version says. So it's just the idea that you're going to be in community. And then right away in the chapter 2, verse 18, and this is very specific to Adam and Eve, of course. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Right? Um, where's, can I, Neil, where are you? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Right. And so there's this idea right out of the gate, like, there is community. Like God, when he invented the whole program with us and started creating us, he didn't want us to be alone. Like, right out of the gate, it really didn't work for people to be alone. And then it, the, the art carries through. And so if you just, a cursory thought about the scripture, you can hardly think of a story where a person was in it all by themselves. They almost always were in a group, in a tribe, in a, a congregation and a team and something. There's almost no stories where, you know, God's leading someone all by themselves. Occasionally you get something like Jonah, maybe a little standout, but mostly then he is actually directed to go join something, some, some cause. Um, so the, the cool part, too, it goes all the way through Revelation, and I would like to make this point. If we turn to Revelation 21, just, just think about this. As you read the scripture in Revelation 21, this is one of the few books where actually you're reading about yourself, like actually are. So when we say what happens in Revelation 21, it is a future story yet to come. And when it talks about the people there, you, actually, physically you, I don't like using the word literally, but in this case, you literally are in that verse. So this is kind of cool, right? So Revelations uh, 21, verses 3 through 4, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. It's this community idea. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. The them is us. I could actually count however many are in this room, name your name, that verse is you. You are one of those people. That's wild to me. It's not saying you could be like one of those people. This is actually you in this verse. And he will wipe away every tear. But it's back to community. So the arc of scripture, one of the main themes, relationship, which really translates into community. Um, some of the ways that the redemptive relationship of God and man is described. So throughout scripture, there's all different ways. Um, he does father and children. He does creator and created. He does the sheep and the shepherd. See, every one of these is like a group phrase. It's not one person. It's like this team. Um, the tribe and the guide. The bridegroom and the bride. The bride is the body of Christ, the body and the head. So everywhere throughout Scripture, I just want you to say it's one of God's core values. So we think community is a core value. I think God feels that community is a core value. So I think that's very important. All right, we want to look in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And this is a scripture that Justin taught when he was talking about the mission. Rory taught when he was saying, how does this work in real life? And so you've actually heard this uh, verse a few times, three times in the last four weeks. So I think it's somewhat relevant. And there's seven verses in here. There's a lot to unpack. 
Um, I'm not going to do all of that. I'm just going to give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, you young people, do you know what Reader's Digest is? Okay, I get a couple of shakes there. Um, so there's this company that every quarter or so, they would take several full-length novels and they would condense them down. And you get like five condensed novels of one book. That's the Reader's Digest version. So when I say that, I mean I'm going to cut it short. So the Reader's Digest version of all those verses is, there's five verses where there's this miracle of the community or communion that the creator of the heaven and earth has with us. For five verses, he's just saying, this is amazing. The God of heaven and earth lets us come into his presence. And then right around then, he turns and says, in light of that, be in community with each other. So let's just read them. Um, verses 19 through 25, Hebrews 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. The presence of God. Just go right in there. Isn't that something? This is amazing. You all just go right into his presence. No problem. With sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So, and now this is kind of in light of that, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I just want to say for sure that God's value is community. And that's, that's all I'm up to right now. I'm just, just selling you this car. You'll love it. Kick the tires. Drive it around the block. It really is great, and you have to have it. You have got to get into this thing. You've got to believe in community because God does. All right, that's what I'm up to here. Um, there is something, there is a caveat to this, and this is this paragraph C. I call it the realm without rules. And I didn't invent that phrase. There was one of the teachers that I love from my past, a guy named Bob Mumford. And basically, there are two things going on in our lives. There are areas where we can be rule keepers, and we can have lists that we can check off. And then there are things that are in here, this realm without rules. No one really knows what's going on in here except for God and me, all right? That's the realm without any rules. So the realm with rules is like the, some of the Ten Commandments, like you shall not murder, right? You shall not commit adultery. Some of the other commands, give a tithe of your income. We can actually check that off. Have I murdered anyone? Nope, check, right? Have I done this? Have I done this? This is kind of the Pharisees probably like that, right? That was kind of that area. They like checking stuff off. But then we get into this area of motive and attitude. Then how do you check that off, right? So let's, as an example, just to drive the point home, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Just speaking about giving. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. 
sort of feel like, am I on the right verse? Their deeds will be remembered forever. Um, oh, sorry, I would like to go back to 9-7. Let me read the right verse. You love it. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. See, it's easy to say, you know, you should give some percent of your income, right? That's a check mark. But how in the world are we going to know if you're giving cheerfully and not reluctantly? That's the realm without rules. See, that's the difference. That's what you're talking about motive. You're talking about um, kind of this attitude that's inside. So this idea of community has a little bit of both of those things. So there is this rule checking if you don't come on a Sunday morning or if you are not in some small group or some kind of a group of people that you meet with, we can kind of check off the list that you're really not in community. It doesn't have to be an official life group. It doesn't have to be officially Sunday morning. But really, if you're not in some group participating in groups, you can kind of check that box off that you're probably not living in community, right? Um, but there is this other part, this realm without rules, and that's the inner attitude of how are you doing with the people you're hanging with. And that's a little bit trickier sometimes. I'd like to turn to Romans 12 to look at one of those. Romans 12, verses 9 through 10. And you guys that are turning in your Bibles, um, I encourage you to read along. If you're wondering where I'm out of, it's the new living. I didn't say that yet, but... Just to mix it up a little this week, I went to the New Living. In verses 9 and 10 out of Romans 12, says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. How in the world is anyone going to know if you're pretending to love or really loving, right? Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. So these are phrases where God's really getting in our business. I mean, it is, it is not difficult, at least for me, it's not difficult to smile and give someone a hug or shake their hand and say, man, it's good to see you. And they might even think I mean it on Sunday morning. Um, and I, I think really I mostly do, but how are we going to know what's genuine, right? That's this realm without rules, and I do think it's a very important part of community to be thoughtful about. So, as we're talking about this, and I am going to encourage you, you know, we want to be in community, but as I talk about it, what you need to be able to evaluate is, but am I in? Like, am I really in when I show up at a group? Am I participating? Am I engaged? Am I really giving of myself, right? That's that realm without rules. Um, so God messes with that. I was thinking about this part of, and I... I said something about it not too long ago about loving your neighbor as yourself. And um, I'm just going to reflect on this. We're not going to look it up, but the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So the reason that story got told is this, this guy that knew the law came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So I'd like you to think about the stakes of what he's asking. This young guy comes up to Jesus and he says, how can I live forever? That's the stakes. Like, he's, he's really asking, how can I live forever? And Jesus says, well, what do you think? 
So this guy's good with the law. He's thinking. He says, well, you, you just have to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor like yourself. That's all. Then you can live forever. So this is a, a really important thing. And then Jesus says, well, and then the guy, uh, and Jesus said, yeah, you're right. That's exactly right. Just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then I think the guy's sort of freaking out like, uh-oh. Because if you think about this internal part, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself, how difficult. So he says, well, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus tells the story, and I think we know of the Good Samaritan about the guy that's in the ditch, and the, the, um, the kind of religious guys walk by him, this Samaritan picks him up, takes him to the end, gives his time, his talent, his energy, his emotions, fixes the guy up, right? And Jesus says, yep, that's your neighbor. Just go and do that likewise. So then he's stuck like we're all stuck. And then that's where I keep going, yeah, this is that part of dying to self, you know, that crucifying the flesh part. Because it is important to be in community and to really love each other, but from the inside, like that realm without rules. And that takes this, this part of being crucified in the flesh. I mean, in the Old Testament, where that rule came from, where it originated, I think this is really interesting. If you go to Leviticus, and there are a bunch of crazy rules in Leviticus. And they are just rules you could check off. Like you could say, I've never done that. I'm good. I've never done that. I'm good. But so interesting about this. So, for example, they say, don't uh, sacrifice your child to Molech on an on a altar. Um, don't steal. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. So they're very, you can just check these off. Doesn't matter if you're happy about it, sad about it, doesn't matter. Um, a couple of really funny ones to me. Don't curse the deaf and don't put a stumbling block in front of the blind. Like, so the guy that can't hear, don't, don't curse him with your words. And then the person that can't see, don't try to trip him. It's like, man, what are these like junior high kids or something, right? Um, but then he gets in verses 17 and 18. So Leviticus 19, 17, 18, the one that, that that guy that was sharp on the law was actually quoting to Jesus. Um, and I'm give you a little background, verse 17. Don't nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. That's interesting. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. So then all of a sudden, this little list that you can check off, and then you're in this realm without rules. Like, you know, I want you to not hold grudges. I want you to not have hatred in your heart. I want to love your neighbor like you love yourself. This is the realm without rules. So God has this idea that we should be in community. And we should love without pretense. We should accept one another. We should really, from inside, we should be doing these things. And that's what I would think of as the ideal, right? That's the ideal. That is a hard sell in a way. And um, one of the things I wanted to point out, and this is um, paragraph D, is sort of tempering this ideal. There are some misconceptions about community, and I want to just go through those. Um, this is from an article from a hipster Christian publication called Relevant. I, I can't believe that I read that magazine. Um, uh, this millennial, relevant, whatever. 
But um, in spite of all that, I still like the article. So I'm going to give you these five things, these five misconceptions about community. Number one, it is easy. Now, I'm kind of already referring to that, right? It is not easy. It's actually a battle with our flesh. We often, if God is pulling us or drawing us or convicting us about being in part of community, we'll find lots of reasons why it won't work out that night, that day, that coffee time, that breakfast time, whatever it is. We'll find lots of reasons because it's not easy for our flesh. That's why we have to die to our flesh. So one misconception is it's easy. Number two is natural. Like, I like this idea of saying, I, I use this a lot, like, you know, ministry springing up organically. Like, you know, the way we're wired just sort of plays itself out, whatever. I like that phrase. But the truth is, if you're going to be in community, you have to have deliberate intention. Right? I'll look at, um, I'm going to pick on someone like the Poles or the uh, um, Trujillos that live kind of a ways out of town. They get in to town through bad weather when they're small group. You have to be very intentional to do that, right? You have to have intention to go way the heck from wherever it is down by some lake somewhere, I don't even know, and through herds of elk every time and, and through four temperate climate zones to get to Pagosa. <laughs> and that you have to be deliberate. It is not natural. Number three, this, this one really hit me actually. It will come to you. All right, I want to tell you this. There were times in your life when some ministry director wanted to take you to coffee or take you out to frozen yogurt and chased after you. That was called youth group. Right? It's not there anymore. And I don't mean this mean. I don't, because everybody's busy, everybody's got stuff. If you're waiting for the ministry leader, the small group leader, to whoever, to come knock on your door... You might be waiting a while, not because you're not important, not because you're not valued, but boy, it's just hard to get around to everybody, right? And so what I want to say is if you go, I should be in a small group. I'm just waiting for someone to call me. I'm telling you, go after it. Be deliberate. Call somebody. You know, make a move on that deal because it's just this idea. I love this word agency. You have to take agency. If you think it's important, if I sell you on the idea that community is important, you have to take agency for that. You have to say, well, this is valuable. I need to not wait around. I need to say, this matters. I need to go after it, right? And that's a hard one. That is very hard because it goes back to the first one. It, it's not easy. It's not comfortable for our flesh. So it's just important to think of that. Number four, these are all kind of related. It's convenient. It's not convenient. It's super annoying to have to rearrange your life to get together with people. And whether it's just weekly meetings or spontaneous meetings or all of a sudden there's a crisis in someone's life that you're connected with, it is not convenient. So that is a misconception. And then, but I think this is important. I don't think it's optional. And that's my point is, I don't think we're meant to be alone. I think we're meant to run with people. I think we're meant to be in community. Interesting, this, um, this idea, or I think this value of God's is not really fair across the board because some of us are introverts and some of us are extroverts, right? And this feels like what's much easier for an extrovert to say, oh, I want to be with my people. I want to be with my tribe, right? Um, and we always have to look at Neil when we do this, right? 
Um, Neil told me one time, it was so funny, he said, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I need alone time. I, I don't understand. I, don't, I just don't relate. I'm like, well, I'm an introvert, see? So I get this, but there is, it's the truth. There are things in life that aren't fair. Um, when God says, honor your father and your mother, it's way easier in some families to do that than others, right? And so there's just this idea of when he says, I think you really ought to be in community. It may not feel like it's that easy if you really are an introvert or you really value your private time or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so this is just one of those things that you kind of have to work through. I'm in this uh, paragraph about reasonable expectation. So in my household, we raised our kids to have certain expectations. And one of them was um, the house was going to be warm in the winter. They just thought it was going to be warm in the winter. If it got cold outside, someone was going to turn the furnace on, right? Um, they expected that if they went to their closet, there would be clothes in it. Or clothes on the floor, but there would be clothes somewhere in their area, right? If, it was, if they were hungry, they just had this expectation that if they opened the fridge, there would be food. It was just an expectation. We actually raised them that way. We were not disappointed that my kids didn't come up to Beck and I and say, Look, my clothes are clean. It's like a miracle. Thank you. Or if they said, Wow, toilet paper in the bathroom. It's amazing. Like this was this natural, just like expectation of what they could expect in life. If they opened the drawer, they didn't have to freak out. There's actually cereal there. Like, they should just expect that. And this is important. I think, you know, my kids were raised to have these certain privileges that is just the way they were born. I don't feel bad that they're not thankful about that and express that to me. I think they should think this is what life looks like. I think a good normal life is I have a bed, my house is warm, I have food. I think this is true of us in the normal Christian life is that our expectation should be, I'm in a family. I have a tribe. I have a group. I'm in community. That should be our expectation. That's how we should be living. Right? I really think that that's where we should be, like, just expecting that that's the way life really is supposed to be. And if you're not in that, you should feel like something's not right. Like, this is, I'm missing it. I'm not in the norm if I'm not in group right? That's, I mean, all this ties together, but that's why this intentional community is one of our values. We think this really matters. I think it matters towards progress. I think it matters towards support. I think it matters so, how can you pour into other people's lives. I think it matters so many ways. Um, one way this is seen in scripture is through the, the um, what we call the prodigal son parable in Luke 15. And um, what I'm really interested in, in this, this case today, is the older brother. So you guys know the story. There's the young guy. He gets his inheritance. He runs out in riotous living, throws it all away, finally says, I need to go home. And dad accepts him, which is, you know, a little bit about expectation too. Dad says, no, you're my kid. But then this older son is working out in the field and he hears this sound of the party and he goes in, what's going on? Well, my dear, your younger brother's back. And so we, you know, slaughtered this calf, having a big, big old party. And the, and the older son gets a little ticked about that. 
And so he's crying to his dad about, look, I, you never slaughtered a goat for me and my friends to have a party. You know, he's really just put out about it. But the answer from dad is this idea of expectation. So Luke 15, 31. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. You get that feeling of, look, this has always been yours. This has always belonged to you. This is part of what you can expect by being in my family. It's all right here. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. But you're here. You've always been here. Everything I have, it's always yours. And so this is what I want to express to you. This, I think, is one of the rights we have as being part of the kingdom is that we have this right to community. We have this, this um, like access to the good stuff that God has for us. And God thinks, hey, it's yours. It's available to you. The good stuff is here. It's, it's part of the package, part of the deal. It's how God created us, right? So God wants us to live in community. It can be tiring. It can be draining. It can be putting you out of your way. But it also can be very, very fulfilling, very encouraging, very even exciting at times, right? Um, I care about community, and, and even though I'm an introvert, somehow we caught fire about groups and being in groups and being in community and, you know, relating to people most of my life. Part of that probably is my parents' fault because they were that way. And I can think of so many examples that are so powerful about the, the worth of it, and I kind of want to leave. This is the last thing I really want to say. Um, Daniel, believe it or not, you could come on up. Is I want to... You know, just give you a few examples of how meaningful it is. And um, I don't want to, like, work the room too hard, but these are emotional, I'll just tell you. I'll start with one not that emotional. Um, I had open-heart surgery this fall. Um, guess who that was a really big deal to? Me. <laughs> I was like, well, it was a big deal. Everybody else, yeah, maybe. You know, they, I'll pray for you, right? But here's the thing. When I was around group that, that the people that I'm connected with, that, I, that really know me, I know them, you know, we're really running together. They didn't just say, oh, I'll just pray for you and take it lightly. They were like, they took it serious. I mean, they were praying with tears. They were invested. They were really just like going after it. And every week they were checking in on me and the texts that were going back and forth. And, you know, it was just like, that was real investment. And it really did encourage me, and the prayers were encouraging. And I have a big story about how powerful that whole experience was in light of the support of the community. And then this, um, this spring, I'm going to go back for another thing. It's low-key. Um, they go in through your artery, and they burn off some nerve endings, trying to get my heart to beat at the right time. My wife loves it that I don't have good rhythm. She thinks that's hilarious. She tells me all the time, man, you don't have good rhythm. Are you sure you want to play drums? Um, but when I tell people that, like, oh, okay, well, we'll pray for you. I tell people in my group, in my circle, you know what they do? They put it on their calendar. You see the difference? Like, it really matters that you're running with people. Um, the one, I will have a hard time getting through this, I just realized, in this second I just realized, 
we had a big thing this spring, uh, actually last bit of May, because our friend Mario died in an accident, and he was part of our small group, part of our family. And in that part of the world, it was a big deal. It was intense. And uh, um, his fiancée, Lisa, and I were actually up on the pass at the scene of the accident, coming home. And before we got to my house, most of the small group was already there, like waiting for us, right? And the whole night, you know, people are there, people are coming over. And I don't want to tell too much of the story that's not mine, but, you know, people were like, the girls were saying, I'm going to stay with you, Lisa, you know? Like, people were coming to Beck and I, like, oh, man, we're just with you. You know, we're supporting you. We care about you. The food starts coming. The people start coming. And I just think, how do you get through this kind of stuff without community? And I don't mean the broad community, which is great. You know, people say, you know, we're with you. We're, we give our condolences, whatever. But the people that are really crying with you. You know, and in our small groups, because I, I will often say, you know, I love life group. I want everybody to be in a life group. But this sermon today is a little more broad than that. You know, community is more than just life group. Although if you're not in one, that's a great way to start, by the way. But in our groups, we've been through tragedy. We've lost friends. We've lost parents. We've lost siblings. We've lost kids. And every time we go through those kinds of experiences as a group, I think, man, there's... There's just no way you get through this in the same way if you didn't have each other. And there is a version of this in the world, and I don't, I don't think the devil's like taking over all this stuff. I think it's partly something God made in us, you know. Today is a Super Bowl. You know how many people are going to be together in parties, right? And how many commercials are going to have some bar where there's beer and watching the Super Bowl and everyone looks like they're so happy. It's, it's playing on that, right? It's, it's pulling on that idea that we want to be in community. And that's not, that's not wrong, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, though, that's a poor imitation of what God has for us. God has a place for us where we can really bear each other's burdens, where we can really share what's going on with ourselves, where we can really carry each other through the good and the bad. And all I'm up to today is I'm selling you saying, if you're not there, you should be really taking agency and pushing towards that. If you're already there, you should say, how can I do this better? How can I make sure that I'm dying to self, that I'm going out of my way, that I'm really, you know, sort of renewing my idea of caring for one another? It's not that complicated of what I'm after, right? So I want to read one last scripture, Galatians 6.2, and then I just want to say a prayer. And uh, Neil's going to close this out. So in Galatians 6.2, and it's, it's my go-to verse for what we do in small groups and what we do in, you know, just circles of people that I hang with. And you could do verse 1 and verse 3 just as well, but verse 2 is share each other's burdens and in this way, you obey the law of Christ. So God's law is love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Christ's law is carry each other's burdens. So I do think 
there's a great reason that it's a core value for us, that we really do care about intentional community. We're gonna use this as a filter, are we doing it right? If there is intentional community around it, then that's good. That means we're doing something right as a body. Um, so I just wanna encourage you guys about that today. So if you'll stand up with me, please. I wanna say a prayer. And uh, I, I like this community today, by the way. Thanks, you guys. Um, I, I appreciate it when I look out and people are looking at me and smiling and, you know, connecting. And I, I just appreciate that. It's a, it's a blessing. So, Lord, I want to speak over the family that's here today. And I don't use that word accidentally. Where Some of us are really know each other well. Some of us are probably a little more like distant relatives, but we're still family. And you brought us together in this room. I just have to trust you, God. I just have to trust you that, that you have something you want to encourage people in the room with. Lord, you want to stir up. There are people in this room that need to be stirred up. To try it again. To re-up on the idea of trusting people. And going out of their way to um, maybe be a little uncomfortable, but to get the benefit and to give the benefit in groups, in communities, in, in fellowships, in whatever it is, book clubs and coffee groups and life groups and home groups and whatever it looks like, Lord. And so I'm just praying for the people that are feeling that, that move that I would call conviction by the Holy Spirit, that they need to be more invested in other people. For those that are there and maybe even a little wore out, I just pray for a strength and a renewal of grace in their heart. That this is a good call to be with people, to be part of the community. And I uh, just come against any lie that says I need to go run away and hide for any length of time, maybe for a little retreat, but not, not for any lifestyle. Lord, I just come against the lie that says that's a lifestyle I should chase. And I just ask for freedom to be in this room, to say yes to you about being in community, Lord. In Jesus' name.